Hi, my name is Sammy, and welcome to my podcast. Now, the chapter book that I was reading um, before, the ones in the future book, um, I finished that on my own time, just to see if it was worth reading out loud to you guys, and I didn't like the book, so I didn't want to put you guys through it. So, with that being said... I'm going to stop reading that one, and today I'm going to start reading All the Wrong Questions, Who Could That Be at This Hour? by Lemony Snicket. I have personally already read this book, so I know it's going to be good, and I can finish this one for you. So, let's begin. Chapter 1. There was a town, and there was a girl, and there was a theft. I was living in the town, and I was hired to investigate the theft, and I thought the girl had nothing to do with it. It was- I was almost 13, and I was wrong. I was wrong about all of it. I should have asked the question. Why would someone say something was stolen when it was never theirs to begin with? Instead, I asked the wrong question for wrong questions. More or less, this is the account of the first. The Hemlock Tea Room and Stationery Shop is the sort of place where the floors always feel dirty, even when they are clean. They were not clean on the day in question. The food at the Hemlock is too awful to eat, particularly the eggs, which are probably the worst eggs in the entire city, including those on exhibit at the Museum of Bad Breakfast, where visitors can learn just how badly eggs can be prepared. The hemlock sells paper and pens that are damaged and useless, but the tea is drinkable and the place is located across the street from the train station, so it is an acceptable place to sit with one's parents before boarding a train for a new life. I was wearing a suit I'd been given as a graduation present. It was hung into my closet for weeks, like an empty person. I felt glum and thirsty. When the tea arrived, for a moment the scene was all I could see. I'd I'd said goodbye to someone very quickly and was wishing I'd take longer. I told myself that it didn't matter that the and that certainty certainly it was no item to frown around in town. You have work to do, Snicket. I told myself there is no time for moping. You'll you will see her soon enough. In any case, I thought incorrectly. Then the steam cleared and I looked at the people who were with me. It is curious to look at one's family and try to imagine how they look to strangers. I saw a large-shouldered man in a brown linty suit that looked like it made him uncomfortable and a woman drumming her fingernails on the table over and over. The sound like a tiny horse galloping. She happened to have a flower in her hair. They were both smiling, particularly the man. You have plenty of time before your train, son, he said. Would you like to order something to eat? Eggs? No, thank you, I said. We're both so proud of our little boy, said the woman, who perhaps would have looked nervous to someone who was looking closely at her, or perhaps not. She stopped drumming her fingers on the table and ran through my hair. Soon, I would need a haircut. You must be all a tingle with excitement. I guess so, I said, but I did not feel a tingle. I did not feel anything put your napkin put your napkin in your lap she told me i did well then drink your tea she said and 
and another woman came into the hemlock. She did not look at me or my family or anywhere at all. She brushed by my table very tall with a very great deal of very wild hair. She sh her shoes made noise on the floor. She stopped at a rack of envelopes and grabbed the first one she saw, tossing a coin to the woman behind the counter, who caught it almost without looking. And then she was back at the door. With all the tea on all the tables, it looked like one of her pockets was steaming. I was the only one who had noticed her. She did not look back. There are two good reasons to put your napkin in your lap. One is the is that food might spill in your lap and it's better to stain the napkin than your clothes. The other is that it can serve as a perfect hiding place. Practically nobody is nosy enough to take the napkin off a lap to see what is hidden there. I sighed deeply and stared down at my lap as if I were lost in thought. And then quickly and quietly I unfolded and read the note that woman had dropped there. Climb out the window in the bathroom and meet me in the alley behind the shop. I will be waiting in the green roadster. You have five minutes. S. Roadster. I knew was roadster. I knew was a fancy word for car, and I couldn't help but wonder what kind of person would take the time to write roadster when the word car would do. I also couldn't help but wonder what sort of person would sign a secret note, even if they only signed the letter S. A secret note is a secret. There is no reason to sign it. Are you okay, son? I need to excuse myself, I said, and stood up. I put the napkin down on the table, but kept the note crumbled up in my hand. Drink your tea. Mother, I said. Let him go, dear, said the man in the brown suit. He's almost 13. It's a difficult age. I stood up and walked to the back of the hemlock. Probably one minute had passed already. The woman behind the counter watched me look this way and that. In restaurants, they always make you ask where the bathroom is, even when there's nothing else you could be looking for. I told myself not to be embarrassed. If I were a bathroom, I said to the woman, where would I be? She pointed to a small hallway. I noticed the coin was still in her hand. I stepped quickly down the hallway without looking back. I would not see the hemlock tear room and stationery shop again for years and years. I walked into the bathroom and saw that I was not alone. I could think of only two things to be in to do in a bathroom while waiting to be alone. I did one of them, which was to stand at the sink and splash some cold water on my face. I took the opportunity to wrap the note in a paper towel and then run the thing under the water so it was a wet mess. I threw it away. Probably nobody would look for it. I, a man came out of the stall and caught my eye in the mirror. Are you all right? He asked. Me? I must have looked nervous. I had the eggs, I said, and he washed his hands sympathetically and left. I turned off the water and looked at the only window. It was small and square and had a very simple latch. A child could open it, which was good because I was a child. The problem was that it was 10 feet above me in a high corner of the bathroom. Even standing on tiptoes, I couldn't reach the point where I'd have to stand if I wanted to reach the point to open the latch. Any age had it was a difficult age for someone needing to get through that window. I walked into the bathroom stall. Behind the toilet was a very large parcel wrapped in brown paper and string, but wrapped loosely as if nobody cared whether you opened it or not. Leaned up against the wall like that, it, it didn't look interesting. It looked like something the hemlock needed or a piece of equipment a plumber had left behind. It looked like none of your business. I dragged it into the middle of the tall, stall and shut the door behind me as i tore open the paper i didn't lock it a man with with large shoulders could force open a door like that even if it were locked it was a folding ladder i knew it i knew it was there 
I'd put it there myself. It was probably one minute to find the note, one to walk into the bathroom, one to wait for the man to leave, and two to set up the ladder. Unlatch the window and half jump, half slide over the wall into a small puddle in the alley. That's five minutes. I brushed muddy water off my pants. The roaster was small and green and looked like it had once been a race car, but now it had cracks and creaks all along its curved body. The roaster had been neglected. No one had taken care of it, and now it was too late. The woman was frowning behind the steering wheel when I got in. Her hair was now wrestled into place by a small leather helmet. The windows were rolled down, and the rainy air matched the mood in the car. I'm S. Theodora Markson, she said. I'm Lemony Snicket, I said, and handed her an envelope I had in my pocket. Inside was something we called a letter of introduction, just a few paragraphs describing me as somebody who was an excellent reader, a good cook, a mediocre musician, and an awful quarreler. I had been instructed not to read my letter of introduction, and it had taken me some time to slip the envelope open and then reseal it. I know who you are, she said, and tossed the envelope into the back seat. She was staring through the windshield like we were already on the road. There's been a change of plans. We're in a great hurry. The situation is more complicated than you understand, or than I am in a position to explain to you under the present circumstances. Under the present circumstances, I repeated, you mean right now? Of course, that's what I mean. If we're in a great hurry, we, why didn't you just say right now? She reached across my lap and pushed open the door. Get out, she said. What? I will not be spoken to this way. Your predecessor, the young ma- man who worked under me before you, he never spoke to me this way. Never. Get out. I'm sorry, I said. Get out. I'm sorry, I said. Do you want to work under me, Snicket? Do you want to? Do you want me to be your chaperone? I, st- I stared out the alley. Yes, I said. Then know this. I am not your friend. I am not your teacher. I am not a parent or a guardian or anyone who will take care of you. I am your chaperone, and you are in my apprentice, a word which here means person who works under me and does absolutely everything I tell him to do. I'm contrite, I said. A word which here means... You already said you were sorry, S. Theodore Markson said. Don't repeat yourself. It's not only repetitive, it's redundant, and people have heard it before. It's not proper. It's not sensible. I am S. Theodore Markson. You may call me Theodora or Markson. You are my apprentice. You work under me, and you will do everything I tell you to do. I will call you Snicket. There is no easy way to train an apprentice. My two tools are example and nagging. I will show you what it is I do, and then I will tell you to do other things yourself. Do you understand? What's the S stand for? Stop asking the wrong questions, she replied and started the engine. You probably think you know everything, Snicket. You are probably very proud of yourself for graduating and for managing to sneak out of a bathroom window in five and a half minutes, but you know nothing. S. Theodore Markson took one of her gloved hands off the steering wheel and reached up to the dashboard of the roaster. I noticed for the first time a teacup still steaming. The side of the cup read hemlock. She probably didn't even notice I took your tea, Snicket. She said, and then reached across me and dumped the tea out the window. It steamed on the ground, and for a few seconds, we watched an eerie cloud rise into the air of the alley. The smell was sweet and wrong, like a dangerous flower. Laudanum, she said. It's an opiate. It's a medicament. It's a sleeping drop drought she turned and looked at me for the first time she looked pleasant enough i would say though i wouldn't say it to her she looked like a woman with a great deal to do which is what i was counting on three sips of that and you would have been incoherent incoherent a word which here means mumbling crazy talk and nearly unconscious 
You never would have caught that train, Snicket. Your parents would have hurried you out of that place and taken you someplace else. Someplace I assure you that you do not want to be. The cloud disappeared, but I kept staring at it. I felt all alone in the alley. If I had drunk my tea, I never would have been in that roadster. And if I had not been in that roadster, I never would have ended up falling into the wrong tree, or walking into the wrong basement, or destroying the wrong library, or finding all the other wrong answers to the wrong questions I was asking. She was right, S. Theodore Markson. There was no one to take care of me. I was hungry. I shut the door off the, of the car and lo- looked her in the eye. Those weren't my parents, I said. And off we went. That was the end of chapter one. And that was the end of this podcast. Um, I would like to say sorry for all of the flukes in my reading. Um, there are some really big words in this that some I don't know how to pronounce. And also, it's really windy outside. So if you heard my dog's bark, that's why. Um... But the question of the day is, um, what do you like better, cats or dogs? Um, I hope you have or had a wonderful day. And yeah, I'll, bye. (laughs)